Thanks for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad, and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking to his kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. I don't like anyone hair, making a living off singing, it's not even fair when the image I show them is not even real, what's wrong with me, I don't even get along with me, got more money than more early, got one more than you want from me, your Bible's with you this morning, or your Bible apps, um, you can turn to James chapter 3. If you're with us for the first time today, or, or maybe for the first time in a while, um, we're in the middle of an eight-part sermon series on some of the attributes of God. We're, we're not able to encapsulate who and what God is in an eight-part series or an 80-part series or an 800-part series, that the infinite, eternal God really is infinite and eternal, and we would not be able to, to accomplish a full summation of who and what God is, but but as as we were in the right in the middle, this is this is week four of this eight week series. We're doing our best to sort of look at some of the attributes that will help us to be able to see and understand and have a clearer picture of who God is. And today we're going to look at the next attribute of God. We're going to look at the wisdom of God. This 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 one is is it's. It's an interesting journey that we're going to go on this morning because I think if we allow an understanding of the wisdom of God to take root in our lives, I don't, I don't want to say that it will answer the questions that you have in your life of why things are happening that you don't understand. I'm not going to make, give you that promise. I'm not going to say, by the end of this sermon, all of the steps of your journey and everything you've dealt with and everything you're dealing with and everything that you're going to ever deal with, it will all make perfect sense and you'll never have to doubt again. I'm not going to, to pretend like that's true. But what I will say is that it will hopefully help take the most difficult, hard, painful, challenging whys in your life and allow you to see them and go through them, perhaps in a way that's new, perhaps in a way, a way that's fresh, perhaps in a way that you would have never really seen before. We all have these kinds of moments in our lives. As we've served God, as we've done our best, as we've walked through life the best that we can, doing everything that we think is the best that we can do it, and, and we've pressed in, and we've read our Bibles, and we've gone to church, and we've gone on missions trips, and we've served in church, and we've done all of the things that we can, and something happens. A profoundly impactful job loss. Family struggle and tension boiling over, health issues, friendships breaking, times when you've been praying and praying and praying, and it seems like nothing is happening. Or maybe even the opposite of what you're praying for. That we're praying, God, heal them. And they're getting sicker. And all of these difficult and challenging times in our lives where we may look to God and ask him, 
Why? Why, God, would you do this? Why, God, would you allow this? Why, God, if you call yourself good, you call yourself love, if this is true, then, God, why this pain? Why this struggle? Why this circumstance? Why are things like this? Why are things the way they are? God, I love you. Why don't you love me? That as we walk through our journey of life, all of us will face seasons of this. How, we, how we, we are able to articulate it may look different, but every one of us will face seasons of struggle and difficulty. Some of you are probably there right now. In fact, some of you, that may be why you came to church today. Or that may be why you wish you weren't at church today. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's one of your kids. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your situation. And you are are just at a point of, God, I've prayed. God, I've, I've gone to see the people I need to. I've gone to see doctors. I've gone to see counselors. I've gone to see whomever. And God, I just don't know anymore. I just don't know why anymore. And today as we talk about God's wisdom, if, if that's you today, my prayer for you, and, and if that's not you today, I still pray this for you because it's probably going to be you one day. That, that it may not be you right now, but you may come to this point. And so you may say, well, thank God it's not me. Scripture will say it rains on the just and the unjust. And so my prayer for us today is that as we look at what it means that God is wise, that it would bring some light into your dark and some hope into your hopelessness. As I was preparing for this message, I I heard this quote on how to view God's wisdom, and it's from a German theologian, and his name was Luis, a good German name, I guess, Berkhoff, and he said, the wisdom of God is the attribute of God where he produces the best possible result by the best possible means. And it struck me because it's probably something that that on the surface we would all say, yeah, that's right, if God is sovereign and God is good, and so God is in control of everything, and and God is all good, then yeah, that's what God's wisdom means. The best possible outcome from the best possible means. But it does have some fallout in our lives as we face these things. Because if we believe that to be true... And if we believe that the other things that we've talked about to be true, that God is good and God is sovereign, that that means that if there was a kinder, kinder, gentler, or better way for God to accomplish what he's trying to use me and my life to accomplish, then he would do that. That's what I would be experiencing. And apparently if God is good, sovereign, and wise, then the job drying up, then the pressures in my life, the lack of sleep, the financial strain in my life, the health issues that I'm dealing with, this must be the best way that an all-knowing, all-powerful God 
who can do the things that he wants to do in my life and through my life, and with that, the things that he wants to perhaps do in my life for someone else, that this is what he's doing. And I wasn't sure, I had this rattling around in my brain uh, that I wanted to say this, and I don't know where it fits, but I think right here it sort of fits. And I just want to, I just want to say, in, in the context of understanding God and his wisdom in our lives, sometimes the thing that can cause us the most grief in trying to understand what God is doing and why he's doing it and, and all of these things is because we assume that everything that we go through is to teach us a lesson. That, that in everything that I'm going through, God must be trying to do something in me or God must be trying to teach me something or God must be trying to show me something. But sometimes the things that you're going through in your life have nothing to do with you. Sometimes the things that you're going through in your life are so that someone else can watch you go through it and see how you go through it. Sometimes the things that you go through in your life are not because you need to be taught a lesson, but it's because someone else needs to be taught a lesson and you're going to be an example to them. Sometimes the things that we go through in our lives have nothing to do with us. We assume that in everything we go through, we are the main character. And friends, sometimes you're not the main character. Sometimes you're not. And so we are presented with a question and a choice. Do we believe that God wants the best for you and your life and your purposes... And so, is, and so that is what is my life. And if we believe that, how then do we influence how we see ourselves, our lives, and our purposes? And so what I want to do today, what I want to talk about today, is for us to talk about how we can learn to rest in God's wisdom. How do we learn to trust God so that it actually makes a difference in our lives. And so the first thing we need to do is we need to talk about and we need to discover what it really means when we talk about God's wisdom. What does it mean that God is wise? Well, surely it means that God is smart. But a lot of times in our lives, we can make the mistake of confusing knowledge and wisdom. That we can make an assumption that if somebody has a lot of knowledge, then they must be wise. But knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. It helps the more knowledge you have to be more wise, but just because you have knowledge on something does not mean that you're wise about that thing. So God is obviously smart. God has knowledge. God knows everything. But just the fact that God knows everything isn't the picture of God's wisdom. I look at it this way. I, I know almost nothing about fixing cars. I know almost nothing. I, I, can, I learned how to change oil once. I don't know that I could do it again. And I certainly wouldn't try on my car. Um, 
If you want to let me learn on yours, I mean, we can do that. But I know almost nothing about fixing cars. But when I want someone to fix my car, I just don't want someone who can tell me all the parts of a car. I don't want just somebody that can go, yep, that's your alternator. That, that knows each individual piece and part and what it does and how it works and how they all fit together. I don't need somebody who knows all the parts of a car. I don't even need somebody who, in theory, has read a lot of books on how to fix a car. Because that's knowledge. They know these things. But wisdom is the ability to possess all of that knowledge, but then know what to do with it. Know, know how to take that knowledge and look at a situation and be able to say, this is, this is what you need to do. Someone who can take the knowledge that they have and apply it to my situation. So, in other words, when you want wise counsel, you, want to, you don't want to just go to someone who knows things. You don't want to just go to someone who knows something that you don't. But you go to someone who knows what to do with the things that you don't know. Who knows what to do with the information that you don't have. Who knows what to do in, in spite of what maybe we do or do not know. Someone who can give you a way of viewing something that you can't get because you can't see it that way. That's, that's what going to someone for their wisdom looks like, and that's, that's what understanding what God's wisdom is, that we, we have a God who can see things in a way that we can't. And so it's not just about that he knows more than we know, but it's that he sees things in a way that we don't. When we put this into the context of God, we believe that God knows everything and God sees everything, the end of the beginning and the beginning from the end. And so when we come to God, we believe that God, God does all of his acts in our lives sovereignly, out of love, out of kindness, but he does them wisely. But I want to bring to you a couple of things today that scripture will tell us that we can know about God and know about God's wisdom. In Romans, Paul will lay out for us the first thing that we need to understand about God and God's wisdom when he says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Here's something that we're asked to get and here's something that we're asked to come to terms with. But it will also be a tremendous sticking point in our struggle, in our lives, when it pushes against our wants and our desires and even our own wisdom. I don't know if it brings comfort or if it brings frustration or some combination of both, but God's wisdom is a mystery. We won't, we don't, we don't know. We won't know. Paul says, how unsearchable is it? How, how, how untraceable are there? There are times when we will not and we, that we cannot know and understand. When we ask why about something, the answer may be that you will never know. Sometimes we say things to each other and we have the, the things that we will say to each other that, that we will express to try and bring comfort to one another. 
that, that we will say to one another to try and, and sort of help each other navigate and deal through difficult circumstances. And, and one of the things that we will say to each other to try and bring comfort into each other's lives is one day it will all make sense. One day you'll understand. One day you'll know why you're going through what you're going through. One day you'll know why you had to deal with this. One day it will all make sense. But friends, it might not. It might not ever make sense. You might live your whole life never knowing why you had to go through that. Because God's wisdom is a mystery. God's purposes are untraceable. His paths are untraceable. It may never make sense. You may never have a moment in your life when you say, okay, now I get it. It all makes sense. Oh God, now I see what you're doing. Good one. Way to go. You got me. God tells us this as much when he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I don't want to wreck your theology. I don't want to to challenge your belief system. I don't want to shake the foundation of who you are in Christ. But no matter how up you go, you're not going to run into heaven. When, when God says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how high my thoughts are above your thoughts, there's not a distance that a, that actually is. And so it's not that somehow God's, God's way of thinking or God's way of doing things, it's measurably different than our own. But here's what we need to understand about that. Heaven is a totally different realm. Heaven is a totally different space. Heaven is a totally different concept than earth. And so when we talk about how far away are God's thoughts and ways from our ways, they're a totally different realm, concept, understand. That verse is correct, but it's not about 18 miles. It's about understanding that it's totally different. You can't get there just by our effort. We cannot get to understanding God's ways just by trying to go higher and higher and higher in our rocket ship and eventually we'll get there. We can't get there on our own. We need to understand that God's wisdom, it's a mystery. I heard it described like this. Now, when I talked about cars, I talked about how much I don't know. Let's talk about something I really know nothing about. I've heard it described like this. How many of you know what a tapestry is? It's a picture that's been made using all kinds of threads. And on one side of the tapestry is all kinds of seemingly loose strings and knots and things like that. It's chaotic and it doesn't look like much. If you look at a tapestry from the wrong end, you don't go, what a lovely piece of art. You think, well, I don't know what that is, but you're not hanging it on my wall. I don't need a mess of string on my wall. It looks chaotic and not not like much. And for you and I, at times in our lives and in times in our stories, this is where we're called to live. We live on the back of a tapestry. 
And so each one of us has given, given a purpose and a part to play, just like each string that looks so out of place and chaotic on the back of a tapestry does have a part to play. And it does matter, and it is significant. But at times, we look around, and it's chaos. And it doesn't look like much, and in fact, it looks messy and meaningless. But God is putting everything all together. And when we see the front of the tapestry, all the skill of the artist is on display, and suddenly the wisdom and talent of the artist makes sense when you're able to see the tapestry from not the perspective of a single string, but from the perspective of the artist's creation. And suddenly, all of the chaos, all of the meaninglessness, all of the stuff that just doesn't make sense, it's not beautiful, it's not nice, you see it from the different perspective, a perspective that an individual string cannot hope to ascertain. But we see it from a different perspective, and suddenly, there's beauty. It's not chaotic. There's order. It's not meaningless. It's meaningful. Sometimes we're strings in a tapestry and we just don't know. But Scripture doesn't leave us empty-handed when it comes to God and his wisdom. He doesn't, they don't, scripture doesn't just say, you'll never know, deal with it and move on. Scripture will tell us that into the characteristic of God's wisdom, or in the characteristics of God's wisdom, wisdom is grounded in God. That what we can know about God's wisdom is what we can know about God himself. And James chapter 3 gives us this picture of God's wisdom and man's wisdom. And he'll talk about man's wisdom and he'll say, we may not know it, but our wisdom is always compromised. Our wisdom, it's always compromised because of selfish ambition and because of sin and because of all of it. No matter how pure we think our wisdom may be, our wisdom, because we're human beings, it's always compromised. But then he'll, he'll juxtapose that against God's wisdom. And in verse 17, he gives us a picture of what God's wisdom looks like. It says this, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. This is a picture of what God's wisdom looks like, that as we seek out God's wisdom, what can we know about God's wisdom? These are the things we can know about God's wisdom. The first thing that it tells us is that his wisdom, that we need to know about his wisdom, is that it's pure. That means it's holy. That means it's honest. To use culturally relevant terms, it's organic. There's no additives to it. There's nothing in addition to it. It is in its very essence. There's no add-ons. There's no agenda. There's no hidden purpose. It's not compromised or altered for any reason. There is no influence on it other than God. The second thing is that it's peace-loving. It's not conflicting. It's not anxious or uneasy. It brings peace or preserves peace. Whatever the situation and whatever the context, God's wisdom is meant to bring peace out of it. That that is the end result of God's, God's wisdom is peace. 
Next, it says that it's gentle. It's not loud and rough. It's not furious or rude or overbearing. It's not harsh or cruel. Now, sometimes to the hearer, depending on how we receive it, it can come across that way. Sometimes when God will say, I've got something pure to tell you about yourself, it can sound awfully harsh. But from God, it's not harsh. How we receive it is up to us, but from God, it's not harsh. And then the verse says, it's easy to yield or willing to yield. That means that it's not forceful or demanding. This is a wonderful part of God's character. That he does not force himself on us. He does not force us into his will. He does not force us against our will to be or do anything that we want. But it's a wonderful trait of God. But it's also the one that gets us into some of the most trouble. Because God will offer his wisdom to us. God will offer his wisdom to you. He will say, this, my child, is what you should do. But he doesn't force us into that. He doesn't make us do anything. his, His wisdom, it will yield to your will. He will offer you his wisdom, but he will not force you to do anything. God's wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. This means that in the end, when, if we do God's things God's way, that it will bring about the best fruit for everyone involved. It's going to be good for everyone. God's wisdom brings about a good end to the story from the one looking for wisdom and for the one for who the situation or person that you need wisdom for. That it, I'm looking for wisdom on how to deal with this if I can, can walk in the wisdom of God, it's going to bring about good for me and good for the situation that I'm in. That God isn't about winners and losers. God is only about winners. It's, next it will say, it's without partiality. The word that's used here means to be without suspicion or free from judgment. It has to do with not choosing one person over another. It means that God's wisdom isn't reserved for the best among us. It it means that God's wisdom somehow isn't doled out depending on who you are and depending on what you've done. That God's wisdom isn't something that we have to earn our way into. That God's wisdom isn't somehow held back from any of us. But that God, without partiality, without being a respecter of persons, without caring about how much you've done for him or or how much you sinned yesterday and, and those kinds of things. He will give you his wisdom when we seek it. That his promise is that it is available to you. And lastly, it says, without hypocrisy. And this means that it's sincere and open. It means that it's steady and uniform and consistent with itself. That the wisdom that God would give isn't at conflict with something else that God would do. That God doesn't call you to do something that would go against God's character. I I was having a discussion with somebody a little while ago. 
And they were saying that they believed that they had received a word from the Lord. And as, as we, we were talking about this word, it was completely in conflict with everything that Scripture said about this topic. And I said to them, because I, I was struggling, and I said, do you have chapter and verse where you can show me that this is God's heart? And she said, no, I don't. She said, I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, and I believe that the Holy Spirit has shown me this. But God's word, God's wisdom, God will never contradict himself. He will never come at an issue and say, I know that for everyone else, this is what I believe, and this is what my commandments are, and this is what my heart is. But for you, it's the opposite. God's wisdom is without hypocrisy. So James gives us this picture of what God's wisdom is. What we can know about God's wisdom, even if we cannot understand God's wisdom. Imagine for a second with me, being a disciple 24 to 36 hours after the crucifixion. That is, James and John and Peter gather to have coffee or, or whatever, and they're taking a look at each other and looking at each other in the eye and trying desperately to find something to say to one another to make all of what's gone on make sense. Man, I don't get it. I thought he was God. I, I said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and he said, yes. I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. I was so sure he was the Messiah. We watched him raise people from the dead. We saw it. And now, all that we have to show for this is we're wanted men. We're, they want, the Romans want to kill us now too. It's all gone. We left our families, our jobs, our futures, everything for nothing. For not a thing. We gave it all up. There, there's a story in in the Bible, where, where two men, after Jesus has died, are, are walking to, to a town called Emmaus. And Jesus, after, after he's resurrected from the dead, comes and walks with them. And, and Scripture will say that, that they, couldn't, they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. And, and sometimes we can read that and we think, what's the matter with them? How could they not recognize that it was Jesus? These were men whose lives had been completely shattered. Everything that they thought they knew and understood about truth, about reality, about who they were, about what their life's purpose was, about everything that was going to happen had been completely and utterly shattered. And they weren't in a headspace to see what was going on. And these disciples, their lives are falling apart. Because all that they could see was the back of that tapestry. All that they could see is the knots, the strings and the difficulty. 
and then it made no sense. Why, God, on and on? Why are we shattered? But then three days later, all that could not ever make sense was suddenly brought into focus. God, I don't understand why. I'll never understand why. I cannot understand why. Suddenly, it all came back into focus. And the tapestry was turned around to reveal this beautiful picture. Jesus rose from the grave. Death, hell, and sin were defeated. And no longer was the question, why God? But in its place was a crying out of, thank you, God. It couldn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. God, what is going on? Thank you, Jesus. This is the mystery of God's wisdom. The tension that we live in between God's wisdom and our own perception, it's clearly laid out in Proverbs chapter 3 when it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. doesn't say a little from column A and a little from column B. It doesn't say, trust in the Lord with all your heart as long as it makes sense in your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and give up trying to understand it. Just don't even try. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't trust your own understanding of it because you may never be able to understand it. This is the choice we have to make. God's wisdom or my perception. Can I accept the fact that there's times in my life where I am on the back of a tapestry and no matter how my own perception is, how my own understanding tries to make sense of things, that no matter what I think of things, I can trust God with everything that I am because even if I don't know what's happening, I can trust that God's wisdom is pure, gentle, peace-loving, without hypocrisy, and full of the best fruit available. You see, this is why if we can begin to grasp God's wisdom and by faith lean into God's wisdom, it has the power to change how we go through life. Friends, this is not a promise of understanding. This is not a promise that one day it will all make sense. This is not a promise of just keep holding on. Maybe this afternoon is the time when it will all come into a clear picture but it's an assurance in the one that holds your life. That we may not be able to understand our circumstances, but we can look to the one who we know holds all of circumstances and trust in who and what he is, the one that holds our lives. And hopefully, this assurance can allow you to hold on and endure. Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus. 
And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie. Follow us on Twitter at csairdrie. And on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at Cornerstone, you can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie campus, then click on the About Us on the main menu, and then one last click on Our Campus Pastors. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. We are so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow Jesus together as family we go. Try.